From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. All right, let's do this. Welcome to this episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast, uh, Ash, myself, and yes. Alistair McDermott, who's with us, Alistair, who's, uh, I dare say, a friend of the show and a host of the Authority podcast. I have to say that again, because it's the Recognized Authority podcast. <laughs> host yes. of the Recognized Authority podcast. There we go. And and just by and large, also in a space you like, which is you work with smaller consulting firms and solo consultants, expert businesses in the marketing business development space, correct, Alistair? That's um, right, yeah. But we invited you here because you are also, you, you, I'm not going to say you have made a name for yourself, but we've seen a lot of great content coming from you about the actual practical hands-on use of artificial intelligence in that space, right? In what we would think of as consultancy marketing. So we wanted to have you on because we we still have no clue how to actually use it in ways which make sense. And I think it's timely because in, we discussed this before I switched on the mic, this stuff like Gen AI, these tools and their impact on the profession of consulting has been in the news more recently, right? With studies like the BCG self-study coming out and all these things. So so it's about time. We talked to someone who's been working with this all along. It's, that's my lengthy introduction. Do you have anything to add? Did I miss anything? <laughs> Welcome to the awesome. show. Awesome. Yeah, we missed anything. Thanks for having me on the show. No, I, I just want to say like that the way that I think about using AI is not to generate crap because I think that a lot of people are generating crap with AI. And, <laughs> and, we prefer and it, yes. That's what we're trying not to do. Okay. I hope you don't have to bleep that out. I mean, they, <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's good. They're giving um, work for, you know, the AI moderators by, by generating crap though, which is not so well. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. to like I'm all about helping people yeah. to build authority and become known as the recognized authority in their field. That's why I called my mm-hmm. podcast the recognized authority. And yeah. like we don't become an authority in our field by copy pasting rubbish output from ChatGPT and just pasting onto LinkedIn. Like that's not going to work. All right. So yeah, I'm strong a strong start. <laughs> a strong <laughs> yeah. start. There. I like so, it. Already. So I, I think that we can use these tools, and like we've seen from the BCG study, and and just if, if people aren't familiar with that, like it it, it found Ethan Malik did this study with 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 all of the consultants there, and they found that it massively impre- increased their productivity and the quality of their output. I think they they said it increased the quality of output by forty percent by people who were using it. Like that's a huge increase in quality of work as well. So it can it can increase quality of work. That's that's my message, but you just got to... Yes, and, and the question we have to you, Esther, is how exactly, damn it? Because what you just said, right, that there's these misconceptions of what do I just take the output or how do you even use it? Where Maybe we can even step back and ask, where do I even use it, right? Do I let it write my emails? Do I let it write my thought leadership? Does it write the strategy? So I think these these are questions people sometimes are not clear about. And that's that's what I've been seeing here and there is that what AI seems to be doing in some firms is first and foremost, create confusion and more work because there's an implicit or even explicit expectation of the marketing colleagues or the consultants for that matter to use it. But, you know, without proper guidance, it, it just becomes one more thing on your to-do list. And with all that mass amount of tools who all seem to be doing similar things, 
equally well or differently well? I don't know. It's, it's just a, where do we even start, right? So that's that's maybe the first question we have. Can can you walk us through because you've used the stuff and you're working with it? Can you can yeah. you share your highlights? Where where have you found the most value in those in those tools? Maybe, maybe um, we can also structure it slightly as tool as intended and tool as how people are working. So it'll help us. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, th these, I mean, the, the tools that I'm using on a regular basis are ChatGPT4 and mm -hmm. Claude, which is a, a ChatGPT competitor. And yeah. both of those have billions in funding. Uh, the reason mm -hmm. why I like Claude is the input token size is much bigger, which means it can take uh, like 75,000 words of text as input and process based on that, uh, which is way more than ChatGPT. It's 20 times yeah. more or, or even more than that, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's why yeah. I like Claude and I use Claude regularly. So the 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 thing that I find it most useful for are there's a few things. There's brainstorming ideas mm -hmm. and restructuring text. Those are the two most common things that I will do with, with ChatGPT. And what I find is I'm using it to make me more efficient and make make my time more productive. So the the time that I'm spending on something, I'll I'll spend the same amount of time, but I'll get way more done. And mm -hmm. so and it'll be higher quality. And like I know there won't be typos and grammatical errors and things like that. So that's where I'm finding it really super helpful. Now, one of the things I think that you need to do if you want to get if you want to get good at using these things, you want to understand how to use them. There's no manual even the people who created these systems don't really know how they work and how they can be used because these are general purpose AIs. So you've got to just dive in and just start experimenting with them. You know, just yeah. play around with them. Ask them to to do things and see what happens when, when you ask it. Try the same prompt, try the same question in Bard and Bing and Claude and ChatGPT and see what the answers look like and see which is most useful for you. And, you know, just play around with all of the different things that you can do. Like, for example, I did a survey of a thousand consultants three or four years ago, and I have spreadsheets full of survey results. So I took those survey spreadsheets and I exported them as a CSV. And I just copy pasted that CSV text into, into I think it was Claude because it was bigger. And so I, I just said, please call, pull out the key insights from this, this research data. And so it started processing and pulled out a whole bunch of really interesting things. And I was able, so I was just playing around with that. I, I I didn't have any particular purpose with that. But I think that you have to do that. You have to start playing around and learning how to use it yourself. Like it, there, there's no manual out there. Any training course that's out there, anybody who claims to be an AI expert, I guess there's kind of two two types of AI expert. There's AI experts in terms of people who are creating these systems and who kind of have a better understanding of what the systems do. Yeah. But even they don't know much about how we use AI. And so then there are people yeah. who are expert AI users and expert AI users are like blockchain experts when blockchain came out first. Like it's it's just people on on the edge of the wave. It's not it's not that they know much more than anybody else. It's just that they're playing around and using these things. Very diplomatically put. So I want to call out something though because I think I understand I understood something already. So you you started in saying we don't want to just generate crap output and use it. That was I like that. Then you went on of saying you're using Bart because it takes seventy five thousand. Characters are words long inputs. Yeah, words, yeah. And then yeah. Yeah. And 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 then you said you use it for for brainstorming and for restructuring of text. So what I'm hearing is you are actually using these machines to help you refine stuff, mm -hmm. where stuff is something that had you put in considerable work and thought and so forth up front, right? Yeah. Someone 
but only someone who has written, thought, taken notes substantially about a matter cares for whether or not the machine takes 75 million words as inputs, right? <laughs> so you're not starting with, please write me a LinkedIn post for Thursday. That's not where, and I think that's that's a compelling insight and, and, and a very important note already because it's, that's the opposite process, right? It's, it's You're not using the generative AI to generate something from nothing or cliche or whatever the bot finds on the web, but you have something like your research data and now you use it to almost like an editor of sorts, right? To help you pull out interesting things or refine the stuff you've written. Would that be a fair description? Yeah, and my, my friend describes it as a a, a high functioning a high functioning intern who is uh, occasionally does acid because it's really good. It's not very experienced. It's it's really good at processing lots of stuff, and then occasionally yeah. it's going to hallucinate and give us just back something that's totally weird. So yeah. I, I think that you know understanding that the AI is not trustworthy. Like you can't trust what it gives you back. What it gives you back is probably going to be really good. And then occasionally it's going to just go off and give you something totally weird. Like I'll give you one example. I, I was processing a podcast transcript, which was a conversation where I actually did a coaching call with a client and, and we we recorded it as a as a podcast episode. And we were discussing her live streaming and podcast strategy. That's what we were talking about. And so I was doing some stuff with the transcript saying, you know, can you pull out the key insights from this? Yeah. And is there a step-by-step -step process that we talked about? And just pull, pulling out some things. And then it gave me a really weird answer. And I said, can you describe the conversation that we're talking about here? And so ChatGPT came back and said, yes, this is a conversation between Richard Nixon and one of his advisors about the Watergate scandal in you know December, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like off the wall. Like, where did it, where did this come from? Like it had absolutely nothing to do the conversation that we were talking about, about podcasts and live streaming strategy. And that just sometimes happens. Now, I don't know what happened, you know, like did a wire get crossed, <laughs> you know, did sometimes like maybe there's this memory buffer and it gets this like a buffer yeah. overflow or something. I don't know where this came from, but this can just happen. And if you are blindly using these systems without doing quality assurance yourself, if you're not reading the output and going through it yourself, then you run the risk of taking something and using it on your own website or using it in, in yeah. client work or something. So you got to be really careful with these things. You, like you cannot trust them 100%. They are very, very good, but you just always have to be careful about, about using them. At the risk of offending real interns on real asset, I like the analogy yeah. a lot because the, <laughs> I think that this, this so we just, we, I like the the first step, maybe sort of using it more for refining things than for or, or putting your own thinking and effort in first, right? Not, and that's or at least go back and forth. I think that's when you said brainstorming, right? The, you might have the AI suggestions, mm -hmm. but you have to do the work to process the thread and then maybe prompt it again. So so doing your own homework there, and then I think the internet analogy is good because that sort of points to what types of workflows you might build with this. And when you described it, the I hadn't I haven't thought about this previously, but I think. The way I would describe it is, okay, so Alistair uses it to delegate tasks. And I don't know if that translates into English very well, but in German, there's a difference between delegating something and handing something over, where delegating means if I delegate something to you, you just do the task on my behalf and I do quality control final checkup and I keep the responsibility for the result. If I hand it over, I mean, okay, I'm no longer taking care of this. It's your responsibility. You take it to the client, for example, right? So, and 
seems to be very clear that what you say is, no, 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 we need to do the final check. We need to literally, like it's an intern, we need to delegate. So it takes off some of the work, it, takes, it saves us some of the time, but that does not protect you from, at the end, really, really carefully looking through the stuff you got back. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a really good distinction and, and we don't have that in English, but but maybe like it, it the, 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 the idea that you have to QA, quality control, the output is like, that is crucial because that that if you if you take that into account then i think that makes a lot of the other things that people are using ai for make sense because mm-hmm. if you use that as a guide rail then you can start to use it to make some really cool stuff and i also think that there's an important difference between how people are using it when they're at different stages of their professional journey so somebody mm-hmm. who is an expert and has deep expertise in a field is going to be able to use it in a totally different way than somebody who's just starting out and is learning so some people are learning from what the AI is giving it and other people are refining it based on their own expertise. And so there's there's a garbage in, garbage out is a very old phrase to do with computing. Yeah. And it, like there is that, yep. you know, you want to be able to like, this is where thought leaders can use it. You can have AI start to draft and brainstorm ideas about a certain, like let's say you're writing a post or writing a blog post or something. And, and then you will spot as the thought leader you will spot that it's missing something important that you would say. And that's where you get it to add in. And and you can get it to add in and then you can give it some like supporting information around that. And then it can continue to to fill in the gaps around that. And, and that's where you can get it to help you do some stuff really quickly. But you are doing that, that quality control and you are adding in the bits that it's missing. Yeah. Whereas if somebody who is not experienced in the field is is doing that they won't spot that that thing is missing they won't spot and and that's where you start to lose your voice because what it's really doing is it is averaging all of the human knowledge that it was trained on and it was taking the average the mediocre average of that and it's acting like this kind of very intelligent kind of auto auto responder auto auto correct where it's just kind of Fastest giving you back complete in the universe yeah auto complete yeah. yeah so it's a really smart auto complete where it's g- just giving you what it thinks sounds like a good answer and that's what it does it it gives you what it thinks will sound like a good answer that's a way to think about how the output i mean this is another diff- the, the the remarks you made there about the thought leader i think that is that is a way i have started using it as as a marketer is to have it for example if i head into an interview with a subject matter expert on something i have it ask i have it give me questions and I will share those in advance with the SME and ask the SME to say, look, these are the questions I would have in mind. You know, tell me which of these don't make sense or are too banal and add to you like to sort of the, the idea being that if if the chatbot gives me the accepted common standard knowledge, then actually dropping that and asking and have then the discussion with the SME about the stuff they, they think was wrongly framed or the question that was, that's going to be the interesting stuff. Because to your point, right, that's not in this generalized average body of work you could get out of an AI. That is just something I get from that person who looks at this and says, no, 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 you had question five there is nonsense. We stopped doing it this way three years ago. And there were good reasons for it. Great. Let's talk about that. Not the, forget the rest of the list. Like that is, that is for example, a, a way I've, I've been using it. But maybe you mentioned the, the transcript of the podcast. So you said you have ChatGPT, you have Bard, is it? The other guy always forget. Claude, Claude. Uh, it was Claude. Oh, they, keep, they keep changing it, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, uh, there's a lot. I, can't, is, I, never, can, I can never remember. Claude is different from Claude. But okay. Yeah, Claude, Claude is from a company called Anthropic. And they have, I think, so So a lot of them have been doing deals with multiple parties. I think Anthropic have, I think they have funding from 
Amazon, and possibly also Microsoft. So I think that Microsoft are maybe hedging their bets with OpenAI. I don't, I don't really know much about all of that, kind of the business dealings behind the scenes. It's probably changing very quickly as well. What I do okay. know is that is that even AI experts have been caught off guard by how quickly things progressed in in like in in the last twelve months since that that time in November twenty two when ChatGPT three came out. I think that was the that was like the trigger point for all of this suddenly coming into the kind of the mainstream where people are saying, "Wow, this is mm-hmm. actually pretty good." You know, all of these things like this is still brand new. Like we we are on the crest of that wave by even talking about it now because a lot of people are not using this at all. So that's why I say go like go start using it. Go start playing around and experimenting with it. Learning some basic prompts, like like one of the things that's most important is to understand, like the prompt is what you say to the to the bot or the chat bot. Uh, it's what it's the instruction that you give it, and what you the instructions that you give it are crucial. And if you give it really bad instructions, it's going to give you the garbage in, garbage out. So you have to actually learn how to talk to it properly. And yeah. you know, there's some basic things that you can do. Like you can tell it, for example, how it should act. Like you, you want to get it like, for example, here's, here's one example where it was, it helped me to be more productive. I gave it the text of a book that I'd written. So that I gave Cla- Claude because obviously uh, I couldn't put that into chat GPT. It was, it was only around like 15,000 words or something. So it was a short, it was a short book I wanted to put up on Kindle and I wanted to make it free on Kindle. That's a, that's a topic for another day. But uh, one of the things that was holding me up was I didn't have the blurb, the marketing blurb for the book that I wanted to, to put up on. And and that was holding me up because I had to put that on the Amazon into KDP when I upload the book because I have the book text, but I don't have the blurb for it. And so I just said, look, I want you to act like a Kindle marketing book expert in the nonfiction business field and write me marketing text for the Amazon page for the following book. And then I gave it the book text. And it came back with a really well-formatted, well-written blurb that I could just take and put directly onto Amazon. Now, I, I, I edited it very lightly, but not much at all. And yeah. the time that it saved me, because that was the thing that I was procrastinating. I wasn't procrastinating about writing the book text. That, that was the easy part for me. It was writing the blurb for it and kind of summarizing it, distilling it down. And it did it in like three seconds, you know? So yeah. that's the that's where I think it's really powerful in in in. It, it's taking the friction away from a lot of those those tasks where we would probably go like as the expert, as a thought leader, as, as a as as somebody who wants to become known as a third of your field. You are creating a lot of content, and you are a, a true subject matter expert. I mean that that's what that's what you you should be. But there's all these little supporting roles that you need, and those supporting roles sometimes you go to to third parties, you go to services, you go to other people to get. And ChatGPT and and Claude and these general purpose AIs can fill in the gaps for a lot of those and make it much quicker. So that instead of having a back and forth, like I could I could hire somebody to write the back cover blurb for a book. Like there are people out there who specialize in just doing that. And they might charge five hundred dollars and it might take three weeks. And like what what they come back with is amazing. You know, maybe if I go to somebody who's really heavily in demand, it might cost more than that, it might cost ten thousand dollars or something. And and then they come up back with something that's amazing. What I got from ChatGPT or from Claude is eighty percent of that. So it's the eighty yeah. twenty, and and that's where I think it's it's really cool. And and like I know it's not perfect, uh, and I can I can improve it a little bit myself. What it's giving me is much better than I would have done on my own, and it's allowing me to get that and just put it out there. And then that gives us the accelerating effect, which allows people. And this is where I think 
it makes people who are good at what they do, it, it makes them much more productive uh, once they learn how to use it. So, I mean, maybe if I can 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 close that piece a little bit, because that, those are the large language models. This is texts, generation refinement, these types of stuff. I want, I want to hear if there's any other tools in the McDermott tech stack. But, but before I do that, I think one, one last word, and actually you can maybe speak to this also a little bit. These LLMs and the products you just mentioned, so they used to exist in, the, in these free market models. Yes, you can, can pay premium for a subscription here and there, but I think the enterprise perspective, or if you work in a consultancy where there's very, very tight data and cybersecurity restrictions because you're in the financial sector or whatever, those are often forbidden, right? Because it's not entirely clear and not fully transparent what happens with the stuff to put in, right? Obviously, it's used to train the model. Who owns the output of all these things? But I think there's more and more providers. OpenAI is one of them. There are others um, that are now offering sort of closed off walled space enterprise editions. So, e so even if you up to this point have worked in a place that said no open AI whatsoever, you can't use this, ch chances are that these things will be coming your way or to your firm or become available, right? Even within your policy. So yeah, I, I can't comment on that flow because what I would say is in the tech space and consulting space, most of them create their own versions. It's so they don't yeah. need instances and in enterprise. So, I mean, when you're looking at the space, it's it's clearly three different. There's, you know, the solopreneurs, as you were saying, Alistair, and there's the middle space people, and then there's the large-scale people. The large-scale people have the resources and, you know, people and tech to build their the own data instances center. of their... Yeah, yeah uh, to build their own instances of AI so they don't have to, mm. like, worry about the legal and ethical quandary of who owns what later. Yeah, yeah. They can work... You know, it's just like, you know, if you're working for a large company, if you're working within their house, whatever you create belongs to them. It's the same way. So they're fine with that. The mid-space kind of blurs the line, sort of like hybrid cloud. Mm. I would say some of them have, some of them use existing solutions, others don't. But I did want to touch back just a little bit earlier to what Alistair was saying in terms of like giving like really good prompts and stuff, because essentially a lot of what we have in AI is the most efficient search engine in a way, because not only it gives you the results that you're looking for, but it gives it to you in a way that you don't need to like note down the results, convert into another format, do all of that, and then take it to the next level, which is essentially where a lot of time savings, especially in, you know, mid and solo, mm -hmm. You know, firms that really, you know, they'd really need that time. And this is some a place where you yeah, can Yeah, that, that's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah. It it doesn't just give me the information, it does it in the in the output format that I can immediately Yeah, I don't need to write a report from stuff use. that I just, you know, looked online. Yeah. That now I, I have that in a tangible format, which but you also need to know what you're looking for, which is where your intellectual capital comes in. That's but, why we had get all these New York Times headlines of oh, they're paying three hundred grand to prompt engineers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sure, because to be a decent prompt engineer in a technology field, you got to be a software technician in order to put in a two-page-long prompt that actually makes sense. And then you got to spot the two bugs that are hidden in the code, which comes back to you. Yeah, I can see why they made them top dollars to that. They're not giving you that to come up with clever prompts for LinkedIn posts. That's not a 300K year job. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I think that one of the interesting things is... and. Uh, it depends on the approach that you take to it. But what you were talking about there is you're talking about the output that it's giving you back is in the context that you need it. 
And yeah. that's that's where it gets really interesting. And I'll give you an example, and it's it's from something totally different. Imagine that you're trying to figure out what you want to create for lunch, okay? And you can go and Google, just in regular old Google, you can put in the list of ingredients of what's in your cupboard or what's in your fridge. And you will get back a whole bunch of recipe ideas of recipes that have those things in them. Now you can, and you know, you'll read those and and first you need to read the backstory of the chef and the little village oh, they yeah. came from and all of that kind of stuff that Google It's a wrist training scroll before you get to the <laughs> yeah. recipe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Thank you, so, SEO. <laughs> thanks, SEO. Exactly. Well done, Google. So then you can go to ChatGPT or one of these others and you can put in your recipes, but you can say, by the way, I'm I'm lactose intolerant, or by the way, I only have a frying pan, or I only have mm-hmm. a microwave available, and it will put it in the context. Now, I'm I'm like this isn't the perfect example for the people who listen to this. I understand what I'm saying is you can no, actually give it, it is. I, I have something to add to you after that. But sorry, go on. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I think that that's really cool because now you don't have to do some sort of convoluted Google search where you uh, try and look up microwave recipes and the re- ingredients that you have. And, and you, you know, you just tell the AI what the constraints are and the context is, yeah. and it will, it will do its best, do its damnedest to do it. Now, sometimes it won't get it perfect, but it will do a damn good job. That's the, that, that's the way I see that. And, and I think that that's more useful to us now. And I think that's why Google is running scared of this stuff because it's 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 going to be stopping people doing searches when they realize how good this is. Actually, had one more. Oh no, absolutely. Like a year ago, uh, a year ago, I had actually sent Flow something like, "All right, give me a meal plan for five days for X amount of money per day, reusing in you know ingredients, making sure that it's of X calorific value per day, etc." And I got a very nice table or set of tables for like seven days of what I should cook, what's healthy, what's the ingredients, how much it would cost me, everything, which is exactly what you're saying. So that's why I said your example is not yeah. bad at all. It's already in play. And, yeah. and here is where, and, and this, and then I really want to close out on the LLM. We might come back to it because it's such a big deal. But I saw this example you sent me, Ash, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to repeat this and I'm going to do a marketing plan. So I gave it a lengthy prompt about stuff. And I said, okay, I don't know what the budget was. And I said, okay, please sort of give me a set of reasonable initiatives for this. Uh, and a cost estimate per, and make sure we keep it under $800,000. And it, similar to your table, it spit out something that when I read it, I was like, well, that's not very detailed, but pretty plausible, nice. I could wing at least one meeting with it <laughs> before someone calls me out on the details. But then I added up the budget figures in the columns and realized it spent 1.2 million instead of less than 800K. So it really was not good at doing the sums. So this is one of these instances, also, right, where you, you really have to... It's the intern piece. You yeah, look, yeah, this, so, yeah. It, and, and going back to Ash's example as well, the one thing I would say about that is I would check all of those calorific values, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Because yeah, yeah. What it will I give did. you is it, will it was give accurate you, at the time. It will give you plausible okay. looking output. And yeah. and that's the problem is to an untrained eye, it, it can be it can look right even when it's not. Now it, maybe it was right in this case. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and and that's great. But sometimes it's not, and that's why it's you've got to be. Careful. I read a so. read an article from The Verge, I think it was, or from it's, from other board. I don't know. Someone it's someone actually very is, visible in the vis, vid image ones, right? Like if you're using Mid Journey, yeah. you can basically see eye the pupils are not in the right spot for the eyes and things like that. There, are, I mean, yes, you can make amazing Mid Journey prompts, but you have more chances for errors that 
people who aren't yeah. artists or the untrained eye, you don't notice. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, I, sorry, I, read, Flo, I, read, I read about it and someone wrote about it, I think in the Verge or in Motherboard. So I, I'll have to find it and put it in the show notes. But someone tried to describe what it is and they, they said it's not actually generative AI as much as it is a fluent bullshit generator. Well, to addressing the point you just made, uh, so right, but it says it'll, it'll create something that sounds very plausible and present that with all confidence, right? It says, oh, no, 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 this is the conversation between Nixon and someone else. And then you have to be the person that says, Nah, it's not. So okay, yeah. but we've we've moved, we've talked to the about the quality assurance aspect for a little. Well, bit. I'll give you one other curious. example on that. Okay. I, I, yeah. In the demo that I did last week, where I I did like a, a shootout between some between Claude, ChatGPT, Bing, and Bard, I asked it to generate a list of links and the 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 list of books, and I gave it some input, and none of them were able to actually do it. But Claude gave me. Claude and Bing, I think, both gave me output that looked close to what I was asking for. And one of them actually made up a book that I had written that I that I had not had never written. Yeah. But it made up a plausible book title for me based on very little input. Uh, and and Ten it, like, Secrets it, of Podcasting Success by Alison yeah, you know, 2023. Really, well, it's like and, and <laughs> if if like if somebody like if somebody searched me, like let's say so, let's say I'm going on your your podcast as a guest, and yeah. you ask ChatGPT to write a bio on me, for example, it yeah. could just make up that stuff. And you may not know that that's not true. You know, you may just use that now. I'm not saying that you will, but, you know, this could happen where you think it's giving you something. Oh, yeah. You know, I've got Mark mm-hmm. Schaefer on. He's written eight books uh, and here's the eight books that he's written and seven of them are correct and, and one is wrong. Like, who knows? You know? Yeah. So buyers beware with the large language models, but maybe we can click into quickly some other tools you've used and, and experimented with. You, you mentioned transcriptions that I, that's why I wanted to 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 go there mm-hmm. because we here I, I'm using descript or descript or descript or I don't know how you pronounce it for editing podcasts which is a also a sort of language model it takes a video watches it transcribes the audio stream of the, the audio from it and what I find is increasingly good English it even does German reasonably well at this point that was a pain point for a long time and then you can edit the audio or the video by editing the text so it's me yep. copying, pasting, moving stuff around like I would do in a Word document. And it actually d- does that to the audio file in the backdrop. And out comes something that is probably not audio engineering pro levels, but it's good enough to be this podcast. <laughs> so thank you for staying with us, dear listeners. But that's that's it. So that would be an example of, of another quote-unquote AI I- I'm using. Do, do you have any other tools besides? Yeah, and like I'm a bit skeptical. So I'm I'm a former software engineer. And All so right. I'm a I'm a bit skeptical. I'm also a big sci-fi nerd. When I see these things actually being called AI, like they're not really AI. And yeah, then I no, see, you know, yeah. like a reporter Absolutely. from the New York Times has a conversation and you know the the chat GPT says it wants to commit suicide or something. And like this kind of stupid rubbish. It's like, yeah, you're you're taking it down a line with the conversation and it's trying to give you a plausible answer to the conversation that you're having. That's what's happening. This is not a self-aware, in, intelligent, autonomous AI that's out there. Yeah, you know, good to point that out. That's going to turn yeah. into Skynet or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, I, I sorry, I, I, that's a bit of a rant. But like when I hear people calling these things AI, it's not really AI. Yeah. Like the like no, the it transcription isn't. software, no, it's, it's it's really smart software, you know, and and it's really great at what it can do. But like the transcription stuff, I've been using Otter for years, and I I really love Otter. We had that's, we that's, had IBM's Dragonfly or whatever that was in the nineties. Remember where you could dictate something to the software? Yeah, 
Yeah, it was and, crap, and, but it existed. Yeah, it, it did that. that was that was the okay. best transcription software on the market for decades. And yeah. like I used to use that as well. I, I actually dictated part of a book using that about 10 years ago. And it, it worked really well for what it was, but like it was so it was so clunky. Whereas yeah. now, like I've got the Otter app on my phone. Sometimes when I'm driving, I'll, I'll click record on Otter on the on the Otter app, and I'll just drive along narrating some thoughts. And when I get back to the office, I will take it. It's already in Otter online. Sometimes, and this is getting a little bit nerdy, but sometimes I'll dictate a Chat GPT prompt at the start of that and say, these are some thoughts about such and such, please format this in the form of a table, or please give this to me as a blog post outline or whatever. And then when I get back to the office, I can just take that text. I export the text from uh, Otter with just export to clipboard. I can just paste it directly into ChatGPT or, or Cloud or whatever. And boom, there's your, there's something done. You know, nice. like that's where yeah, it's, it's just allowing you to be more productive and more efficient. And, and that's where I think, particularly for independents and solo people, it's it's going to allow us to turn stuff around much quicker. We're going to be able to, you know, I have a meeting with a client. I can put together a proposal based on that meeting, you know, in, in an hour, whereas before it might have taken me half a day, you know, it might have taken a day, it could have taken a week to get back sometimes. And just being able to turn around based on that conversation. Now, sometimes it depends on the scenario. If you record the conversation, which I record a lot of my Zoom calls now with 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 Fathom.video, which is a free, and I'm, I'm concerned about it being free, but I, I've been recommended by some people who are who are, are pretty good. So I'm, I'm going with it for the moment, but I know that the, the old adage is when it's free, you're the customer. But this, this service, Fathom.video, what it does is it does a recording of your Zoom call and gives you a transcript and does an AI summary. And you can you can send the recording and transcript and summary to the other person on the Zoom call with one press of a button, and that's yeah. a big deal because that just makes that just makes things a lot easier. But if you can take a transcript like that, and you, like you could say to ChatGPT, "Here's a sales conversation that I had. Please, you know, act like a an, an expert sales coach in the B two B space and critique my handling of the sales call." For example, yeah, and, nice. and it, it'll give you back another good one. I haven't thought about. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so but, um, that's just that's just one one thing that you you could do. And but because they're general purpose systems, you can use them for anything. You know, that's the cool thing. Yeah, yeah, but I think we I think we, we we're getting to a sort of a, a robust framework where we're saying, you know, you d- delegate, don't completely let it run its own thing, put in the work before and after, right? And I think you you said a word there earlier when we were discussing prompts, which I think was interesting. You said the, the prompting is crucial to get right. And you said we said two things I think which are essential. You have to give context that'll improve the results. And you have to specify the constraints. That was another word that, that'll also improve the constraints. Again, yeah. and talk about the I, I have to return tell, to your intern analogy, right? I have to return to your intern analogy. If you're very good at explaining what you want from the intern, obviously the outcome will be much better than if you just tell them, come on, you know, the, the presentation is not good enough, fix it. Without. You can also iterate, like some people yeah. take the approach where they write, you know, a 500 word prompt and you'll see that like these chat GPT cheat sheets and guides and stuff that people are pitching. It seems to be a lot of people pitching this on LinkedIn at the moment, but I, I, I tend to take a, an iterative approach where I write a smaller prompt and then I iterate based on the feedback. And so I'll, I'll, I'll ask it to make changes to the output based on what I see in front of me. And so I'll start off with, I, I, I'm kind of keeping it more, I don't know, more agile maybe, yeah. but I'm not pasting in huge prompts and then just copy pasting the, the output and, and, and using it straight away. 
when I have to, I do, I tend to do the same, but for the sake of repeatability, which that is a very dangerous game because it's, you put in the same prompts three times to get, tend to get different outputs. But I've done that experiment with just the approach you just said. And then when I had the input I was ready, I was happy with, the, sorry, the output I was reasonably happy with, I asked it to summarize the conversation we had in a new prompt that would reproduce the end result with a certain degree of approximation. And then that I put in a file for reuse if I need it. Yeah. Um, I have yet to retry one of those. So I'm not, <laughs> but I thought it was a fun experiment to your point of playing with it, right? To say, uh, can you help me write a new prompt that would give me the, the last result immediately as opposed to, you know, all this back and forth we had. Because that's one of the power, we're still at the LLMs. But anyways, this, the power of these models is that within a stream of chat, it'll rem it will be contextually aware, right? So if you start yeah. chatting with it about a topic, return a week later, you can just literally you can just continue the conversation. We'll remember everything in that line of to, to a certain degree, and, yeah, and it will depend degree, yeah. on on what the size, what the token size is. And I don't know exactly how all of this works, but it, it's a bit like the concept of a of a buffer in software engineering, where there's a certain amount of space, and when when you run out of space, anything new you add knocks something out the far end. And right. and so okay. it will start to forget. And I think that's when it will start to hallucinate. And probably, so probably. and that that's why I think that it's it's an old old school buffer overflow. But so what what I think that like you have to be careful about how you're using it. You have to check all of the output. You have to be aware it it's giving you an answer that is based on the average of all of the things that it's been trained on, which may be wrong, which may be mediocre, bland, and it's gonna answer you in the way that you ask it to answer you. And so if you're yeah. not specific about that, it won't be specific. And then the other thing that's frustrating, people don't don't understand, don't get us, is something you mentioned earlier, is you can give the same prompt to it three times and it'll give you three completely different answers. And that's, you know, I, I don't know exactly the the, the logic behind how, how that works, but it's something to bear in mind that, you know, that you can that you can play around with it. But I, yeah. I think that like the number one thing I would say is just start playing around with these tools. Like that's the number one piece of advice I would give to anybody is just start playing around with these tools. Don't take what it gives you verbatim and, and copy paste it onto LinkedIn or, or somewhere like that. And and until we know more about the legalities, just be careful about not putting in client information in, in there. You know, yeah, I put, I put a lot of my own point, stuff yeah. in there, but I don't put any client stuff in there. And yes. that's, that's going to be important until we have those enterprise models that you talked about. Yeah. All right. I think that, that was interesting. I think there's a, there's a, we could, this could be an endless discussion, but we were, we're nearing. We could uh, go on about so. this topic yeah. forever, but we don't have that much time. But, but I think there were, were good uh, sort of examples, references, metaphors for how to think of it, how to use it. Uh, you gave us a few very cool examples of doing things. Like I like the dictating stuff as I'm moving around and having that ready to, to snap. I've got another um, one that I think is pretty yeah. cool and I'm going to record. I'm actually going to go live after we get off this call. So people listen to your podcast can find it on my LinkedIn. Uh, it'll be a video on my LinkedIn. It's going to be a short one, five or 10 minutes, but it's just about using experts in a field and creating a fake panel discussion and using that as a brainstorming tool. So it's kind of cool because you can get like, what would this person say about this topic? And you can kind of use that as a brainstorming tool. Let's say you're trying to come up with ideas for blog posts. You're trying to come up with ideas for LinkedIn posts or yeah. something like that. And what would these people say about this topic? So that's another. What would, uh, what would Wittgenstein prompt. say about large language models? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An essay. Okay. I, I actually no, I like did. This. I like this one. Yeah. That's, I, that's I, I, I said, I made one of these where I said Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato are having a heated 
debate about the future of AI. Please, please imagine that they're that they're discussing this, and please write the transcript of their conversation. And you know, it gave me it gave me that you know. So it's it's really was it in Greek though? <laughs> no, it wasn't in Greek. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we 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 will have to bring you back some time whenever you say you have found a new 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 yeah. and really crazy way of using this. Until then, I think can we, do you have any? I know you've written some very short sort of guides or books and put them out on the AI stuff. So where can people find some of your thinking some of your work around this and, and more about you can you. find me on the recognized authority.com spelled the American way with the Z. And right. you can also find me on Amazon. If you search my name, Alistair McDermott, and you'll have to figure out how to spell that. <laughs> I'm I'll sure put links in the show notes. notes. So yeah. I just, yeah, I wanted to give people the idea. Well, that was, that was great. Also, thanks for stopping by. I'm looking forward to, I'm, I'm following your stuff closely. So I'm, I'm looking forward to stealing more of your AI recipes. And, and you're right. I think the, the general ideas or the, the concepts are more useful than the ready-made, here's the 500 word prompt template, which by definition <clears throat> will give me different results than whoever posted this. So yeah, thanks for stepping by. That was excellent. Awesome. Um, well, thank thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on. Cool. And Ash, that's it, right? I can stop it's, the recording. It's time for your line, Flo. It's time for your line. I'll stop the recording right here then. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Mm-hmm.